It's philosophy talk. Take a plot of land where there are no people, say a thousand miles square. The nature of wilderness. Remove all the roads, remove all of the maps, no satellites pass over. Could we leave something aside and simply not know anything about it? Isn't the concept of wilderness, a place untouched by anything but nature, incoherent? What matters is not wilderness, but rather what I would call wildness. Nature which acts in its own accord, in its own way. Aren't humans fundamentally part of nature? One of the important differences is that we're moral agents. Our guest is Jay Odenbaugh from Lewis and Clark College. I wouldn't want to use the notion of wilderness to make us think that nature's over there and there's the urban. Wildness is pervasive. Recorded live on the Lewis and Clark campus in Portland, Oregon. Is one man's wilderness just another man's theme park? The Nature of Wilderness, coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. Our thinking originates, as always, at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. That's where Ken and I teach philosophy. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Our topic today is the nature of wilderness. Well, Ken, as philosophers, we always like to start with a definition, and we are given a definition of wilderness by the 1964 Wilderness Act. Quote, wilderness is, the earth and its community of life are untrammeled by man. Wilderness is that which, quote, retains its primeval character and influence without permanent improvement or human habitation, end quote. You know, that's a cool definition. I, I like that definition. I really like that phrase, untrammeled by man. It's so poetic. It's inspiring. It's just like the wilderness itself, poetic and inspiring. Yeah, but, you know, the problem is it's not very accurate. Now, take the desolation wilderness up near Lake Tahoe. That's a place I like to go hiking and often have. Mount Tahoe uh, rises above Lake Tahoe, and you can go up there, and there's... Uh, alpine lakes, and if it's sunny, it's fun, and if it's rainy, it's pretty horrible. But uh, <laughs> whatever it is, it is not untrammeled. It's got trails. It's got some signs. Until the year 2000, every spring when the lakes thawed, the U.S. Forest Service would fly planes over and drop trout so, into those lakes. Not exactly untrammeled. So you're, you're kind of saying it actually takes a lot of human effort to maintain this pristine, untrammeled wilderness. Uh, that, that does sound a little paradoxical, John. Well, I think we get a paradox because we start with a confused concept, the concept of wilderness. It is confused, and confusion often leads to paradox. You're telling me you, you, don't, you don't like wilderness, dude? I love the wilderness on a sunny day. And I'm all, I'm all for preserving it. It's the concept of wilderness that I find troubling. What's wrong with the concept of wilderness? A perfectly natural concept. No, it's not a natural concept. It's a human invention, a social construction. It's a bunch of myths built on one another. It confuses our thinking, and it confuses our thinking when we're dealing with important issues like conservation and biodiversity. 
The wilderness itself ought to be preserved, but the concept of wilderness should just be junk. I don't get it. Why would you say a thing like that? It seems like, again, a natural concept. Why would you say a thing like that? Well, taken literally, the concept doesn't apply to anything at all. There's no place on earth that's entirely untouched by the hand of man. I mean, even a place like the desolation wilderness was for millennia occupied in the summers by Native Americans. And nowadays, not even Antarctica or the depths of the Pacific is untrammeled, untouched by human beings. You know, look, I'm going to concede something to you. I think there's surely a lot of mythologizing associated with the concept of the wild. But you know what, John? Not all myths are bad. I mean, sometimes myths encapsulate our deepest aspirations. Go back to the early days of America. In, a, in American folklore, the idea of a wilderness was associated with the idea of a boundless but dis once boundless but now disappearing frontier. This was supposed to be a place that beckoned Americans to go and make themselves anew. A myth, okay, a myth, but it's still a useful myth, even to this day, because partly to recapture this idea of the once bountiful frontier, we form national parks, forests, wilderness areas, and these are places where we can go for renewal and recreation. That seems like a good thing, so the myth played an important role. Well, I'll struggle not to be reduced to tears by your speech. But, you know, the, the basic truth is the concept of wilderness distorts our relationship to nature. It assumes a dualism of humans and nature, as if humans are outside of nature. In reality, for better or worse, humans are a part of nature. I'll, I'll concede humans are a part of nature, but I'm not sure what you think follows from that. What, a Manhattan skyscraper is as much a part of nature as a bird's nest in the wood? That doesn't seem to me like true. That seems like an odd thing to say. So we gotta separate man from nature. Well, no, I think we have to see that, that humans are a part of nature, and we have to see, well, what, how do they fit into nature? What concepts that apply to nature in general help us understand Humans, and, and I, I think it's pretty clear what it is. We need to think of humans as an aggressive, non-native species that has impacted every conceivable ecosystem on Earth, mostly in a destructive way. If we really want to protect the rest of nature from us, we need to conceive ourselves rightly. We're pests. We're the pest? Oh, come on, John, we're the pest? Yes, we are the pest, and what we call wilderness is a place where pest control Keeping out the invasive human pest has been successful, or at least more successful than elsewhere. Jeepers, John, God, you're such a downer. I, I, you're squeezing all the romance out of the concept of wilderness. Look, I want a concept of wilderness that's beautiful and inspiring and poetic. That's what I want. Yeah, but if we're going to get serious, Ken, about preserving wilderness, about preserving ecosystems and preserving species, we need a serious and sober understanding of what wilderness really is and not your mythological clap trap. Okay, look, I'm not sure I agree with your concept of wilderness. Actually, I'm sure I don't agree with your concept, but you know, I see that there's lots to talk about here. Can there be a concept of wilderness that actually applies to some stretches of the earth and not to others? And what's the right way to think about humankind's relationship to the rest of nature in the first place? Are we the pest, as you say, or are we the wise stewards, as I hope we can be? We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch, to learn what happens when wilderness meets urban devastation. She files this report. This is the story of a post-urban environment, a place where wilderness is anything but natural. It's about a square piece of land in the Lower Ninth Ward of New Orleans. This residential neighborhood with small houses and little lawns was ripped apart in 2005 by Hurricane Katrina. 
there was sort of a monochromatic look of death, basically, from six, seven feet, wherever the waterline had been on the houses downward. Peter Yockey is an ornithologist in the geography department at the University of New Orleans. He recalls what happened to this piece of the Lower Ninth Ward after the water receded. Probably the most striking thing about it was, first of all, the complete lack of people. The second most impressive thing about it is the, uh, the, the lack of color from the waterline down. Everything was sort of a sepia and white, the sort of way you see in old photographs. Yockey recalls a desolate landscape with splintered dead trees. It was here that he decided to track the recovery of bird populations. At first, there were no birds at all, but slowly they started to return. The following spring, weeds sprouted up. Exotic tree species like the Chinese tallow thrived and started taking over. Some urban birds like the European starling and rock pigeons came back. Then strange birds started showing up, like swamp sparrows and birds of prey, like American kestrels and red-tailed hawks. Yaki says the remarkable thing is that these birds showed up in great numbers. One of the aspects of the natural invasion of the area uh, had been this incursion of birds of prey, which seemed to me to be using the remnant uh, rodent population, which of course is a leftover of the urban component. So that's an interesting juxtaposition of urban and natural and in this case, the urban kind of feeding the natural. Slowly, people returned, but just a fraction of the former population. Which raises the question, can land be reclaimed by nature, creating a natural ecosystem after it's been urbanized? Peter Yockey says the Lower Ninth Ward has been so reshaped since Bienville founded the city in 1718 that it will never revert to the red maple or bald cypress swamp it used to be. But the question, you know, that's kind of being answered there is what would happen to urban land if you just took the houses off and left it alone? And of course, you've still got the grid work of streets there. Um, you've got the stone foundation still on the ground, but it's rapidly being reclaimed by secondary succession, as we say in ecology, where you have weeds coming in and then small woody plants and they develop into a, a forest eventually. This urban-rural Frankenstein geography could go either way. Yaki says cities abandoned for economic reasons, like in parts of Michigan, are already receding back into the wilderness. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.